Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, we're joined by special guest Heather Borsma. And did I say that right, Heather? You did. All right. So Heather is joining us here to have a, a chat about what it looks like to raise up and impact the next generation with biblical hope uh, from what we've experienced in our life. And we're just going to jump right in and, and hear from you. Heather, I'd love for you to start off by just telling our listeners a little bit of your personal story, where you're coming from, what's your family like, what's your ministry. I know you have a book coming out. What are, tell us about you. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. And um, I'm just really excited to connect more with your listeners. And I love the ministry that you're doing. So get that out of the way. Thank um, you. You're welcome. So a little bit about me. I am from Canada. Some okay. people find that kind of fascinating. <laughs> yeah, um, I love it. Yeah. And I am a mom of three. They are uh, spanning from eight to 18 months. So oh. I'm, I'm kind of like straddling two worlds of motherhood with the little and then with the two bigs. I'm a wife. My husband is an entrepreneur who is always coming up with crazy ideas and then making them happen. <laughs> mm, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. A little scary sometimes, uh, but good. Yeah. And then uh, when I'm not with them, which is I'm with them most of the time, but I do get a babysitter on Thursdays. So Thursdays I get to speak and write and life coach and dream with God for what's next. That is awesome. I'm always fascinated by entrepreneurs who are like the primary breadwinner because I consider myself an entrepreneur, but we don't, we depend upon my income, but it's the supplemental income, right? So at least we always have the bills paid. So that puts you in a faith walk all the time. Yeah. It's kind of intense sometimes because, um, I would consider myself entrepreneurial as well, but we don't depend on my income at all. Yeah. And I used to be a teacher. So then I was actually, you know, having something consistent, but my husband has been running his own business for eight years and we've been really blessed in that most of those years were really consistent, but the last few, it's definitely been a faith journey. <laughs> That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. That feeling of, oh, I don't know if I'm making any money this month. And was there uh, enough in the bank account from last month to cover this month, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he's yeah. just looking at bigger and bigger projects. So it gets like scarier and scarier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely. So tell us a little bit about your faith and how you came to be where you're at today, married, children, yeah. your backstory. Yeah. So I grew up in a long Christian heritage I feel very blessed that I had grandparents and great grandparents who loved the Lord and served him and prayed for us daily. And they're all gone now to be with Jesus. But I just feel like I come from such a legacy of faith and I'm so grateful for that. And I know that I wouldn't be in the spot I am today if it wasn't for the foundation that they laid for me. Mm. So I'm very aware of that legacy and um, super grateful for it. Um, my faith became my own when I was a teenager. I was bullied in school and that really forced me to either believe that God was who he said he was or blame everything on him. And mm. for some reason, I just always chose to believe that he was who he said he was. And that really shaped me at a young age. And then I've been, I think I've been living for God since then. I mean, I think in that I don't really ha see a time of like rebellion necessarily in my life. Mm but I was living under some false beliefs for a long time um, that, and I'm sure I am still today, right? Like we're always yeah. growing and I want to keep growing. Um, but yeah, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. That is just awesome. Totally different than my background. You know, I came mm -hmm. to faith as a college student and, you know, but I always am encouraged by stories of women who, have that legacy of faith because that's what I'm trying to build into my children. 
Mm -hmm. and give them. And yet I know that even though you come from a a family heritage of following Christ, that doesn't mean life is not without challenge or suffering. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about how your struggle with anxiety kind of kicked in and how you've navigated that as a believer. I feel like there's this extra layer of pressure Mm -hmm. when you struggle with anxiety and you're a Christian. Definitely. I mean, for me, it was kind of underlying beliefs. So I lived to please people. I felt like I had to be perfect. And I was constantly putting on a performance to earn God's love and the approval of people around me. Um, But what really triggered it was my mom had breast cancer like Mm. 10 years ago, found out she carries the breast cancer gene. (sighs) And I decided to have testing so that I could be proactive about it and found out that I too carried the breast cancer gene. And then I watched a very close family member die quite Mm. quickly of cancer. So Mm. I just started telling myself this story, like you're going to get cancer and die. Your kids are going to grow up without a mom. Like Mm. it just kind of triggered this really negative pattern of thinking that led into this year of anxiety and panic attacks and, I'd never experienced anything like that before that point. I could totally understand the, uh, on a number of levels, the breast cancer gene is in my husband's family. Okay. So his, um, his grandmother had breast cancer in her sixties. His mom had breast cancer in her forties and she is now 87 years old, Mm -hmm. double mastectomy cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. So there's hope for all of us. Yeah. Um, and then my sister-in-law was diagnosed with breast cancer in her 30s, and and then the other sister was tested. So they're positive. So we, Stephen was never tested. He could have the gene even as a man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and certainly all of our children are at risk. And and there is I understand that. Do you find out or do you not find out? Yeah. And then I think that's very real for you to share that you found out and it, it did set things in motion of, okay, who do I trust? Mm-hmm. Do I trust myself or do I trust God who is sovereign overall? And right. so how that, that panic and that anxiety manifested in that year, what did you do in the face of it? How did you handle it? Yeah. For a while I just coped, you know, like I went to the doctor, I got some medication that I could take in the case of a panic attack because I was like, I have these little kids. Like I can't just be like flying off the handle. Um, and then I was, I saw a counselor and I changed my diet and you know, all those sorts of things, but I wasn't really getting free. And I was like, okay, I know I'm not supposed to live with this. I need to find freedom. And I believe that God has that for me. And so I went into a year of ministry school and I was pastored by this woman who walked me through understanding, excuse me, she walked me through understanding what it meant to live from my spirit and to lead from my spirit. Mm. And that's where I found real freedom and healing from anxiety, where I could say now that I don't struggle with that. I mean, I get triggered sometimes, but I have the tools now to know what to do when I get triggered. Yeah. So that spiritual piece was the, the pivotal piece for me. Like the body pieces and the soul pieces were super important, but the spiritual piece was what kind of made it all click for me. Yeah. A hundred percent. I absolutely a hundred percent agree. I just actually this past weekend was leading a retreat and kept on coming back to the fact that we can't necessarily control the triggers, but we can have a say on the outcome when we develop yeah. the tools that are accessible to us. And and I did describe the Holy Spirit as a tool, but you know, I, I've sat the last 24, 48 hours since the retreat kind of saying out loud to the Lord and, and to, to whoever's been in the room with me, like, what does that look like? Like, it's one thing to say it, it's one thing to choose it, but how do you explain it? So how would you kind of put legs to that description of what it meant to learn how to let the spirit guide you? Yeah. The best thing for me was understanding that because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, we actually have the fruit of the spirit in us. 
-hmm. For so much of my life, I was trying to reach for peace or reach for love or pray and ask God to make me more of whatever. And in this year, I learned you already have the spirit inside of you. So all of those things are in you. You just need to activate them. Mm. And so one of the tools that I was taught in how to activate those spirit, those spiritual gifts or those fruits was to actually just speak it out loud. So one of the things that I do when I feel anxious is I say, spirit of peace, rise up and take the lead and body and soul come into alignment with peace. And I do this with my kids now too. We do it with joy or with love or with self-control when they're in a situation where they feel out of control or they feel like they're acting in the opposite spirit of that. Then we actually say out loud, spirit of joy, rise up and take the lead. Body and soul come into alignment with joy. Mm. And we can do that because it's in us. We have full access and we just need to remember like to activate that. Yep. This was exactly where I was teaching from Galatians. Um, I'm just going to see if I could go there for a second, because I feel like it's so important when we, when we talk about what the power has for us, I always have to do General Electric Power Company. Where is it? Uh, (laughs) That, that we forget that the scripture promises us that, that it's Mm -hmm. just not a theory out there. This isn't just you, Heather, showing up on the more to be podcast saying a counselor said this, this is, consistent with the word of God. And so yeah. uh, um, picking up in chapter five of Galatians verse 16. So I say, let the Holy spirit guide your lives. It, it, it's there. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the spirit wants. And, and in either regard, I mean, when we're struggling with anxiety, I would not necessarily come right out right and say that sin, that is no. our brain functioning at the brainstem level and not the neocortex level of cognitive reasoning. And, and, and so, but, but here's the truth. These forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out the good intentions, but when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. And I feel like those words, that expression is saying, I'm choosing, I'm making a cognitive decision to be directed by the spirit right now and not to be enslaved by my emotions. Yeah. The power is in our agreement. Yep. Yep. So we either agree with the anxiety and the anxiety is telling us you're in danger. And it's actually doing that to help us because it really believes that we are in danger. Yes. So it's not, we're not us against the anxiety. The anxiety is there to help us. Right. And, and so if we can acknowledge it and go, oh, I, I see you. I hear what you're saying. And right now I'm telling you that you're safe. Yes. So thank you very much for that warning. But I know that I'm safe right now. And now I'm going to choose to partner and agree with peace. So, okay. I'm taking a trauma-focused equine-assisted psychotherapy course in Mm -hmm. which I'm learning all about brain function to help people who are struggling with trauma. And a person who is struggling with anxiety or panic uh, manifests the same way that somebody who has experienced significant trauma. Now, clearly the diagnosis of your mother's breast cancer, your diagnosis, and then the loss of a family member, those are all traumas. And when we respond to trauma, we respond at the brainstem level. So uh, the the illustration that I was taught, which is very easy to think of visually, is that if you hold up your hand in the air, your wrist is your brainstem. And then if you fold your thumb over the palm of your hand, that is your mid-level brain and your limbic system. And that controls your emotions and your motor skills. And then the neocortex is your fingers, and that comes down over the top part. So the brainstem is what controls that fight, flight, or freeze response in a, a trial. Like what you're saying is your body's responding in the way God designed it to respond in the fear that elicits a survival response. And that, that triggers within 12 one hundredths of a second. It takes 22 one hundredths of a second for the neocortex to kick into gear. And so what you're saying is, so consistent with the brain function, the, the neurobiology of, okay, I'm responding from my brainstem, but I'm making a habit out of responding from the neocortex by, and asking from a biblical perspective for the spirit to do that work. 
to agree. <laughs> I'm agreeing with the spirit's truth in how I respond to this that's coming at me. It's just all the pieces of the puzzle of everything I'm learning is coming together. <laughs> so I love it. I love that. And I mean, brain science just supports biblical yes. truth. Yes. Right. Like anything by Dr. Caroline Leaf, every yep. time I read or listen to her, I'm like, and she's always saying it like, this is just proving what we yes. as believers have known to be true, but we haven't really fully understood how it all works together on a physical level right. um, or a neuroscience level. Right. But right, right. when the more we find out, the more we find out how true the Bible is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's passage after passage in which God is admonishing us to get the mind in gear to control the body. Yeah. And so one thing I had learned, which I have learned this since we recorded a couple podcasts on anxiety and I'll, I'll put them in the notes. We did one with uh, Jessica Smart who has struggled with anxiety. I recorded one with Kaylee Kelch, my co-host, and we talked about things to do when you're struggling with anxiety. And I've since learned about this brain function since recording that podcast. But uh, one of the best things to do in a panic attack, anxiety attack, is to start walking because that is rhythmic behavior that regulates the brain stem and the uh, it's called the diacephalon. It's the mid-level brain and helps then the cognitive ability to kick into gear. So any patterned, rhythmic, uh, organized uh, behavior enables the brain to function at the higher level. So your process of, of stating out loud, uh, say it again, say the, say your script. Yeah. So I just say spirit of peace, rise up and take the lead body and soul come into alignment with peace. So if a person who's struggling puts that together with, I'm going to tap that out, that's patterned, rhythmic, repetitive, to to help the brain even respond to it faster hmm. or really or cool. walking and saying it or standing up and, and changing location moves the response of the brain into the higher level brain rather than the lower level brain. Wow. Fascinating. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I just want to read this one verse because you were saying um, that the Holy Spirit, this is verse 22, produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And I do think one of the main misconceptions within the, the people of God is that what you described, the grabbing for the fruit rather than allowing the spirit to produce that fruit out of us. Mm-hmm. So I love, I love the way you made that so clear. And I just want our listeners to know you're, you're, you're speaking out solid truth here, even in verse 25, since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirits leading in every part of our lives. So you moved into that. How long was that kind of process from acknowledging that you were struggling to beginning to see freedom? So I would say that I, was in the depths of it for like a year and then in the process of healing for another year. Mm. And my spirit was aligning quickly. My soul was starting to like find healing, but my body was kind of the last piece to actually come into alignment. And it was like all that extra adrenaline and whatever had to get flushed out of my system. So I did some work with a naturopath and did some like elimination diet type things, which is so not my thing. I love sugar so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I really experienced like the final bits of freedom through some of that kind of more disciplined eating and exercise and drinking more water. It was like my body just kind of had to flush that out. Um, mm. So it was about two years after it all began that I stopped really feeling like I was dealing with it on a regular basis. Mm. Mm, good stuff. Well, completely can identify. We, I've gone through a similar journey in the last nine months where I was so sick because of my gut health mm -hmm. issues. Didn't even know that sick, which was my normal, didn't have to be my normal. I didn't know there was another way of living. And I've gone completely to a whole food, 
lifestyle, no processed foods. And my, my slogan is I don't sugar alone. So if I have sugar, it's Mm -hmm. because we're sitting down together. I can't just like grab that leftover, awesome gluten-free cookie and have it with my lunch. You know, as I sit at the kitchen table by myself, like if we're having dessert after dinner as a family, because it's a special occasion, I'll partake. And if no, and yeah. what I have found is my inflammation has gone down. My irritability has gone down. I I do have a propensity to anxiety and like getting really amped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't happen as frequently. And when my daughter who struggles with anxiety, when she's pure clean on her eating, she manages her anxiety in a much better way. Yeah. It, it's definitely tied, right? Like the gut is like the second brain or like the brain yeah. of the body or whatever. Yeah. Right. That's what they say. And so it's not no surprise. And that's why we do the holy hole. Uh, that, that's what holy hole came out of was that how do we wholeheartedly live in devotion to God in, in not only our spiritual life and our thought life, our emotional life, but also the care of our body because we're one entity. And as Christians, mm-hmm. we become so good at despiritualizing the body. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's for those people over there who get all quacky about health and health becomes their God. And so we're not going to be like them. So we're just going to be like in Bible study every week and eating all the donuts at the buffet line at church. And we're getting sicker and sicker instead of caring for our health with as much discipline as we care for our faith. It's so true. I was doing a study on hope the other day and just talking about how on a psychological level, hope is actually medicine for the body. And it releases a chemical, natural chemical that's similar to morphine. And so we're so much more comfortable with taking morphine than we are with having hope. That's amazing. Right? (laughs) Yes, I know. And you know what? Well, don't even get me started because I could get into my whole oils discussion. We'll pop something out of a plastic bottle and say, well, that must be normal and safe because we find it in a drugstore. But you grab a little oil from a plant and then it's like, whoa, I don't know. Where did that come from? I'm like, uh, yeah. it's lack of education, right? right? So you're educating us now that hope hope can be good for the body. And we would all agree. Yeah. And even so, non-believers would agree. Like there's so many studies that yep. proving it true, like cancer patients who have hope versus the ones who don't, the ones who do have a higher survival rate. Yeah. It's just the science. And with the oils, yeah, it's interesting too, because I, I agree. It's like we're, I mean, it's just what we become comfortable with, right? Yeah. But the body is actually designed to heal itself. Yeah. And the earth is was designed to help in that process. Yes. God actually made it that way. I know. Yeah. When you when you start doing the the really looking into it, then you're like, it just magnifies the greatness of God. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. So you're all about that. I know magnifying the greatness of God, and you have written a new book called Big Sister: Letters from a Big Sister, Shared Wisdom to Encourage and Equip Teen Girls. So how has teen, how has that come to be? Where has your heart for teen girls come from and what led you to write that book? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I was bullied as a teenager Mm -hmm. and the reason, I think one of the reasons that it didn't crush me and it didn't turn me away from God and all of those things was because I had big sisters in the faith who Mm -hmm. were walking with me through those hard seasons and they were reminding me like, you're not alone. I've been through this before. Here's what I've learned through my journey. And you know, there's things that a a mom of a teen girl can say that she just won't hear or she won't be able to take it with the same weight because she'll think her mom's just saying it because, well, you're my mom and you have to say that. Mm -hmm. But when a big sister says it, it it carries a different weight at that age. Mm -hmm. And for me, I... I'm so blessed and grateful that I had those big sisters. And this book is my way of, you know, trying to reach out and be that big sister to a generation of teen girls who are struggling in ways that I never had to struggle. No, the, the weight on them is completely different. When yeah. I, I had the opportunity to speak um, at a 
local youth conference and my workshop was just for teen girls. And the first thing that I led with was as much as I've gone through that was hard, it doesn't even compare with how hard it would be if you're walking through that now. Because I was I was able to go home and shut off from the world and my peer group and they never can with social media. Yeah. I was able to get advice from the and love from this woman in my high school. I spent all my time at the nurse's office hanging out with the secretary because she was just this warm, loving woman. And, 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 and I just, she had my ear, right? But now our ears are exposed to so many voices. How do you know which one to listen to? Mm-hmm. So what was your bullying like? What were some of the things that you went through that you needed people to speak into? Well, for me, it started when I was in third grade and it was just like comments and being made fun of and being left out of the group. And then when I changed schools in seventh grade, I went to a Christian school and I was like, okay, well, this will be different, you know? And Mm -hmm. it was just the same thing all over again, just being excluded, being talked about behind my back, notes being passed about me, that sort of thing. Mm. But the worst of it for me was actually from my church youth group, which that should have been my safe place, right? Right. If if your Christian schools become a dangerous place, well, for sure your youth group will be a safe place. And I was in a small group with six girls and four of them called me up one day and they had written this list of all the things they hated about me. And they read it to me over the phone. And in that moment, I think the, yeah, it was awful. And the hardest thing was that I actually believed it. You know, I started to believe like, oh yeah, there is something really wrong with me and I am unlovable and um, I need to be less of this and more of that. And yeah. Mm. So what's your advice to a mom whose daughter is going through that right now? What would you say to her? Yeah. I mean, it's hard when you're the mom because you can tell your daughter till you're blue in the face that she's amazing and lovely and beautiful Mm -hmm. and that God loves her and that you love her and all those things. Um, But I would say if you as a mom can find a big sister Mm -hmm. that your daughter would relate to, and Mm -hmm. maybe you don't even tell your daughter that you're kind of orchestrating this Mm -hmm. relationship, but, you know, be on the lookout for those types of women, it could even be your best friend. It could be yeah. um, your sister. It could be, you know, unfortunately, anyone other than you. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you keep saying it for sure. As the mom, you're going to keep saying it. Um, and my mom, she was amazing. Like she would come into my room and sit with me and pray with me and pray for a, a best friend and pray for mm-hmm. God to comfort me. And, you know, all those prayers came true. And because my mom, did that consistently, like my faith grew because of that in the end. But I also needed that voice, that outside voice reminding Mm -hmm. me of truth and reminding me that it wouldn't always be this way and it would get better. And um, I would say one other thing as a mom too is other than like helping find big sisters or great resources is to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. with your daughter about your struggles. If you Mm -hmm. did go through something similar, um, I see that even with my eight and six year old now, when they're experiencing that at school, I tell them, you know, when I was that age, I, I was hurt by my friends too. And they're like, really? Like, what was that like? What did they say? What did they do? So they're really impacted to know that that is not a journey they're on by themselves or that there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with them, but that there's other people who've gone through those things too. Yeah. uh, Perfect advice. I mean, it's the same advice I would give from our own, situation. And I'm not sure I've shared this. I'm not sure I've ever shared this on the podcast before, but uh, when my Leah and Abby were in sixth grade and fourth grade, it was back when we were living at the boarding school and our uh, community was really tight. The girls grew up with um, about 12 other girls within a three-year age range around their age range, lots of sisters. Uh, And and uh, Satan was all about let's steal, kill, and destroy as fast as possible. And hey, we can't knock these guys down with, you know, 
Mr. So-and-so's cancer. So let's take this down with bullying. I mean, it was just the onslaught was insane. And two of the girls, they were not sisters, but two of the girls came after my, my girls in a letter and ripped them apart. Like the way your youth group Mm -hmm. girls did. And the hurt was so severe. I went to the moms and like your girls just did this and the moms were my best friends and it was still not like received. Like it, there was a sense of, well, my girls must have done something wrong. I mean, it was just a horrible, horrible time in our life. And I, I had, at that time I was mentoring uh, the girls at the boarding school. And so I felt like a failure as a mom and as a mentor, like I couldn't protect my own girls. These were girls that I had been involved in their lives from the time that they were practically born, literally for some of them since they were born, teaching their Sunday school classes. Like how can we, how can we go so far off the grid was kind of what I felt. I had an older woman uh, spoke into my life and she said, here's what you're going to do, Lisa. You're going to pull back and you're going to stop trying to pour into everybody. And you're just going to pour into your two girls. They're your only ministry right now. The, the twins were babies. So we did that for a year. And, and I was homeschooling Leah that year. And somebody had given me the curriculum called Stomping Out the Darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who wrote it. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. And what I did was I sat down with Leah and went through, I didn't go through the whole book of Bible study, but at the end of this Stomping Out the Darkness workbook for teens, there was a basically acknowledging the wound and releasing it to God. Mm-hmm. And I walked her through this whole prayer journey. And she had, I mean, she was dutifully obedient in it and, and yet not believing in it. And yet the Lord showed up and spoke to her in that and said to her, take heart, though you will have trouble in this world. I have come. I forget the rest of the verse. I have come that you, you know, that you may overcome it. Mm -hmm. And that was the verse that the Lord put on her mind through that time. And so even in that moment, I was thinking the only reason that child was able to have the word of God come out of her was because the word of God had been poured into her. Yeah. And, and yet, even though God spoke to her in that moment, and I'm there confirming that this is true, she didn't believe it until she told her mentors, Hmm. like what you're saying about the big sister and her mentors were two students that we had as um, babysitters. So whenever we went out on our weekly date night, we always had two students come to babysit. And I always picked girls who I felt like could also pour into my kids. And so I would pour into these girls by coming home from the date early and talking with them and asking them questions like what's going on in their life and telling them this is my struggle this week, but this is where I'm seeing God faithful and just trying to be authentic and transparent with these girls. And sometimes I would say, how do you think my kids are doing? Right. And so there was this very open line of communication between me and them about my kids. And it was the way those girls spoke into Leah's life that enabled Leah's healing to begin. Right. And, but by God's grace, the best part about this, this whole story is that a year later, we had prayed for over a year that God would bring reconciliation about that there would be, uh, we had to pray hundreds and hundreds of times asking God to enable us to forgive all the hurt. And not only was there reconciliation this group of girls is still thick as thieves to this day. I mean, wow. they, those girls came to my girls in an apology at separate times. The two girls involved, each one came at a different time and asked for forgiveness from Leah and Abby. And then they came to me separately and asked for my forgiveness. Wow. Right. That's and so amazing. it is amazing because you don't always see that in the body of Christ. No, I mean, I didn't see that in my situation. I saw it with one. One yeah. wrote me a letter like a few years ago yeah. saying um, that she was acknowledging everything that she had said and done and how that had wounded me and then just spoke a bunch of truth over who she saw me to be now, even though we aren't mm. friends now. But it was yeah. really beautiful. But the other three, I mean, if I see them now, it still feels awkward. And that was right. like 20 years ago, well, not 20, 15 years ago. 
Right, right. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of hope for us guiding our sons and our daughters to to cling to the biblical truths and to to suffer like Christ suffered, but also to forgive as Christ calls us to forgive and to wait for him to do his redemptive work, which may be on the side of heaven that we get a glimpse at, like we got to, may not be. We may not see the fruit of that until we see him face to face. And at that point, I don't think we'll care too much, but <laughs> yeah. But well, that- I think it's I think it's important for us to remind our daughters and our little sisters too that when when someone hurts you, they aren't actually or or says something mean about you, they aren't actually telling you about you. Yes. They're telling you about them. Yes. And so no matter what they say or do, they are always telling you about themselves. Yeah. And so that's a concept I'm trying to build into my kids now. It's like when somebody does something, it's mm-hmm. actually not a reflection of you. What you do and what you say is a reflection of you. Yes. But what somebody else does and says to you is a reflection of them. Yep. And so they might be hurt or they might be insecure or they might be struggling or they might be yeah. in pain and they don't know yep. that there's another way or they do know and they're choosing not to live that way. Yeah. But it's not about you. That's actually not, nothing to do with who you are yeah. and your value and your worth. So hard to believe it, but I say it all the time and the kids will finish it for me. If I say out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? You know, they're like, they know it. And so it, we have to take ownership over that. If we're flowing junk out, what's going on inside. Yeah. But then when, when that bullying comes our way, that bad behavior comes our way, it's what is going on with them. And then it's that choice of, like I have a child right now that's walking through that with somebody and it's clear, so clear as day that that other party is hurting and wounded. Mm-hmm. And yet then the decision becomes, do I, how do I express biblical love to this person? Is it a boundary or is it a withdraw? Like yeah. what's healthy? And, yeah. and that requires constant prayer and seeking wise counsel, I think, in order yeah. to figure that out. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So you're hoping that letters from big sister will be a tool, I guess, in girls' hands. What age is it written for? I would say it's more written towards a high school, even university age, because I feel like there are some good resources out there for preteen and Mm -hmm. young teen girls, but there's not as much for that older group. There's nothing in it that's like, wouldn't be appropriate for a 12 or 13 year old. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely like the way it's laid out. And um, it's like, I was trying really hard to create something that didn't look cheesy, that they wouldn't just like write off as like, oh, some cheesy Christian book. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. It's got like full color and beautiful images and lots of kind of journaling pages and ways to interact with the content. So yeah, Mm -hmm. the girl Mm -hmm. that I was picturing was probably like 16, 17 years old. That's awesome. I I know there's a need there's definitely a need out there. And so I'm excited to be able to share that with readers. When is it released again? It releases April 6th. Okay. Yeah. And it's a great resource for like personal devotions, but it could also be used in like a small group setting or in like a mentorship relationship. That's excellent. We're all about mm-hmm. mentoring at more to be. So anything that we can put in people's hands, it's great. So I know uh, we've been all over the map here. You had a particular <laughs> verse that you wanted to relay your passion about it. Uh, and it was in Romans. Did I, did I have it right? Romans eight seventeen. Yes. And yeah. So Romans eight seventeen is talking about um, if we're children of God, then we're heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we share in his suffering, we may also share in his glory. Mm. And what I love about this verse is this whole concept of being heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And it kind of encompasses this idea of family and of sisterhood Mm. in a way that, um, that kind of tears down competition and goes against jealousy and, the whole idea for me in this passage is if I see another woman succeeding and getting something from God, 
-hmm. It's not to show me that I can't have that thing or that she's somehow better or she deserves it more because I'm actually co-heirs with her and with Christ. Mm -hmm. So when God is giving something to my sister, he's showing me what's possible for me too, Mm -hmm. because he doesn't play favoritism. So Mm -hmm. if he's giving something to his daughter over there, I get to celebrate that that's the kind of good father that I have and that that is what's possible for me too. Mm -hmm. And so this whole heart of like empowering women and empowering other women, I I feel like the idea of mentorship is really powerful, but I feel like the idea of family and Mm -hmm. sisterhood is even another layer of that. Yep. Um, You know, because what we would do for our family is different than what we would do for a friend in some cases. And Mm -hmm. if we see other women as our family, I think it will change the way we relate to them. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Because when you're, when your sister's within a family, you might feel insecure against each other. You might feel jealous. You might choose not to compete, but at the end of the day, when your sister succeeds and overcomes and accomplishes something, you're like, go. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I often think my, you know, with my kids, I I see them rally around each other the most when there's a threat. Right. Right. So should one be under, under harm's way, they, they would each jump to their protection and their side. And we do have a threat in the family of God and it's the enemy of God. And so we should be not to, partnering with him in the takedown, we need to be uh, taking up our position in the family of God and, and kind of surrounding and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm holding up my shield of faith with you. Mm-hmm. I'm holding up the word of God over you. I am, I am taking you by, you know, kind of, I saw two women walking the other day and the one woman kind of had her hand on the elbow of the other woman as they were walking along in this idea that I walk with you mm-hmm. and I am walking in step with the spirit with you even more beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's not the most spiritual example, but I was watching the most recent episode of Grey's Anatomy (laughs) (laughs) and I have never seen a more powerful picture of sisterhood on a movie, on a television show Mm -hmm. in my life. I saw it and I started weeping. Wow. But essentially what it was, was the character had been, um, abused Mm. and she was in the hospital and she was very afraid of men because of this abuse she had experienced and she needed to have surgery but she was like I can't leave this room because I can't see another another face of a man right now like I'm just too traumatized Mm -hmm. and so the doctor she was with had all the female staff come and line the halls Mm -hmm. on the walk towards um the operating room and she, they rolled her through and it was just the faces of women. And in that moment, that was the only safe space for her mm. to walk towards her healing was to be surrounded by sisters mm. who are all saying, I see you mm-hmm. and what you've been through matters and we're with you. And yeah, I mean, it just brings me to tears in this moment because I'm like, that's the power Mm-hmm. of sisterhood but we're we're being robbed of that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we think that somehow if she does really well it takes away from me mm-hmm. but that's just not that's just not the mm-hmm. way the nature of god he mm-hmm. says you are all children you yep. are my heirs like everything i have you have mm-hmm. access to you have access to all the resources of heaven Yep. And you get to use all of that to lift each other up, to protect each other, to cheer each other on, to be there in those moments of vulnerability, to be mm-hmm. there in those moments of celebration. You are meant to be each other's safe place. Yeah, totally. And it's, a, it's, it's beautiful what you described. It breaks my heart because not only does the enemy get in and undermine our sisterhood, He's undermined who he is, who we are in his image, because that man that abused that woman, it's like what you were saying before, our actions reflect what's going on in, in us. And yet he, he repped men 
in that regard. And in the fullness of the body of Christ, that hallway should have been lined by all the people of God. Right. Right. And yet the broken, the wounding created this separation. Hmm. And really that's what our sin does. It separates us from God and it separates us from experiencing the fullness of the inheritance that he offers us in Jesus Christ unless we come around that. So, you know, if this was a real situation, the prayer would be that women would come to such healing that she could enter a room of men and women and not feel threatened. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and so maybe there's a word here for us in that, you know, I'm thinking about how many women have come to me for coaching and abuse is a part of their story, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. And sometimes it's at the hands of parents. Sometimes it's at the hand of a spouse. I was just in conversation with a woman who's being physically abused by her alcoholic 30 year old son. Like, wow. It it comes in all shapes and sizes. And one of the expressions that came out of my mouth over the weekend when I was teaching was that we cannot look at God's love through a distorted lens of broken love. Mm-hmm. We have to look at God's love through what he illustrated through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection. He sacrificed his son so that we may be in this relationship with him and experience this inheritance. Uh, and so my encouragement for anyone who's listening, who feels like, but I can't, I don't, I don't see God's love. I don't understand this inheritance is that if you've been through a trauma, go find a Christian counselor, go to focus on the Mm -hmm. family at the bottom right hand of the page. There's a tab that says a link that says find a counselor and look for a Christian counselor in your area and book an appointment and ask if they'll give a sliding scale. If your resources are tight and and just get into that process of healing with the help of somebody who stand in the gap for you when your faith isn't there. Yeah. And it has to be a Christian counselor to do that gaps, that gap work. You might find you need to go to a non-Christian counselor to get the type of therapy you need to heal, but to then have the body of Christ surrounding in that hallway lining that you described mm-hmm. to come into that. Yeah. Mm. This is good stuff. Boy, we got heavy there fast. Yeah, we just went there. We just went there. (laughs) Well, and you know, I'm coming off of this weekend of really just seeing the isolation that we live in. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were a number of things I said when I shared my story of coming out of abuse and and finding healing in my own struggles in my adult Christian life, uh, in which women came up to me and said, like you described me, I've, I, you, you just told my story. And, but the thing is, each one thought they were the only one with that story. They don't realize that 25 of them came up to me because they're not talking to each other. Right. And I, I, I do think one of the things you said before we went live was that the importance of us being able to make a way for the next generation mm-hmm. to find hope and healing. And I do think that that part of that process is telling not our stories of our dysfunction and our mess, but of God's redemption of our dysfunction and our mess, mm-hmm. because that then passes hope to the next generation, which as you said too, is healing. Yeah. There's so much power in being radically vulnerable. Mm-hmm with the right people mm-hmm. and, um, and being willing to invite someone into your mess. Mm-hmm. And, and there might be some of it that you can say, this is where God healed, but there's always going to be some of it where you say, this is where I am right now. Yep. And I don't know. And yes. I, we're not meant to walk through that mess on our own. Nope. We're nope. meant to invite safe people into that space with us, whether it's a counselor or a mentor or a friend. Yeah. But choose wisely who you invite in, you know, you don't want to invite someone in that's going to just stay there with you, but someone who's going to give you space and also give you a kick in the butt when you need it and Mm -hmm. remind you of truth. Yeah, absolutely. 
Couldn't agree more. Well, Heather, thank you so much for being with me today and for bringing light and hope into so many aspects of our Christian walk. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been such a great conversation, and I hope that whoever is listening will be so blessed by it. Yeah, I hope so too. Would you mind closing us in prayer? Sure. Okay. God, I thank you that you are a good father, and I ask that you would give a revelation of your goodness to every person listening today, that they would have the courage to believe again. Maybe they've stopped believing in your goodness or they've never believed in your goodness, but that they would have the courage to take a risk on your goodness again Mm. and that you would show up in a way that is specific to them and their story and their needs. And we just ask for the courage to walk lives of vulnerability, walk lives of lifting each other up and protecting each other and being a sister, being the one to step out and and be a sister first. And sometimes we're just standing back waiting for someone else to come and sister us. But I pray that you just give us the courage to step out and to go first. Mm. And I just thank you for this opportunity that we get to talk about you and your word. And uh, it's such a blessing to be able to gain new perspective of who you are through through each other. So I thank you for that. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for all your words of wisdom. They're fresh. They have fallen fresh on my soul today, and I thank you for that. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for uh, listening to us on the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More to Be and our podcast, We'd love for you to become a More To Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.